Welcome to the X29 Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Metters. Welcome to the X29 Podcast, and I am your host, Jeff Metters, the Director of Assessment for X29. You know, we know as pastors and leaders in our churches, there's nothing like sitting down and listening to an experienced pastor share some of his lessons from a life of gospel ministry. And we really all need to be reminded of that sustaining truth on this road. Like the roll call of names in Hebrews 11, faithful pastors point us to the unchanging, eternal, and sufficient faithfulness of our God. And as he kept and used these men and women before us, he will keep and use us for his glory as well. So Steve Treichler joins me on the podcast today to discuss lessons he's learned in ministry through 25 years of pastoring and planting up there in Minneapolis, Minnesota, where Steve serves as the senior pastor of Hope Community Church, which he planted in 1996. Steve has served as many different roles in X29 as associate regional director for Midwest um, and lots of stuff in assessments and just a great guy all around who's married to Carol, has three grown kids, and I hear he enjoys fly fishing duck hunting, remodeling, woodworking, making his own brews, and smoking quality cigars in his free time. Steve, is all that correct? Is all that accurate? That sounds very good, yes. I'd actually like to meet that guy. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, uh, yeah, and everyone gets the pleasure to meet you now on the podcast. And so we, you know, we've got global listeners, we've got people, I was just uh, in Ireland and listening to those guys tell stories and, and hearing from some of them how they listen to the podcast. And so Steve, why don't you just go ahead and introduce us to yourself um, a little bit and really how you became a Christian and what was your path into planting and how you got involved with A292? Sure. Let me give a little shout out to our Irish friends with a wee bit of a brog for you. That's okay. pretty good. Yeah, no, it's not because every time I'm around an Irish person, they just roll their eyes. So I know <laughs> I know it's not actually very good. So, but uh, anyway, no, so I'm really glad to be with you. So thanks for inviting me. I, I, I don't know if I would fit into the roll call of names in Hebrews 11 there, but uh, uh, really, really appreciate the, the invite here. Yeah, Steve, how did, how, did you become, how did you become a Christian? Yeah, so I actually was one of those guys who I grew up, you know, in northern Minnesota. I grew up, uh, my mom was a Sunday school teacher in a, uh, a liberal, I won't out the denom here, but you know, no more, more liberal. I, I had no, if you put a gun to my head, I don't think I could explain to you the gospel message. Mm-hmm. I had, I had no, no concept. And it was, it wasn't really until I went to college and, you know, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of things that happen at a major university. I went down to the university of Minnesota, um, and attended school there. And so, uh, the university of Minnesota is probably about four times bigger than my entire hometown. Oh, wow. And so I went down there and kind of got my mind blown away about all the different things that were there. And one of which was just, uh, getting invited to be in a Bible study, which blew my mind. Uh, you know, if you look at the sovereignty of God, that the fact that God was working in my life, that I would say yes to something like that still to this day, hmm. I don't, I have no idea why I went, but I did go and, uh, looked at the gospel of John with some guys from the navigator ministry. And, uh, uh, in, the, in the course of, of reading the Word of God and also uh, hearing a communicator, uh, the first guy that I'd ever heard who had three things that really, really impacted me. And first of all, he was just a real person. I had never heard, I know this sounds like, <laughs> I came from, it was, it was kind of when the pastor would give the sermon, it was this other language, whatever. Right. 
But this guy was just real. Talked about drinking beer and talked about, he's just real guy. Second thing, he had a real faith. I mean, this guy really was the real deal. And third thing was he's funny. And to me, uh, I never heard, uh, you know, a limited exposure to things of, you know, Christianity or whatever. Never heard anyone be funny. Um, and that's a high value with me. And so he communicated the gospel. I had never heard the entire thing mm. before. And I left that night from that event uh, saying that I am going to one day trust Christ. That is definitely, but I'm not going to do it now because, man, there's way too much partying and things I still want to do. <laughs> so, but I thought about it all night long, actually. And uh, I, could, I could barely sleep. I got up early in the morning like at six o'clock and I lived on the stoner floor. I mean, the dudes on my floor, they, they didn't have classes till 11. And, uh, I got up at six cause I couldn't sleep anymore and went into, took this long, long show, just me alone in this big shower stall. And, um, I just kept thinking about it hmm. and I know this sounds crazy, but for me it was like, um, you know what you've, uh, you're going to have to make this decision someday. And when you do it, it's going to be now. And so now is always now. So you might as well do it now. And so right there in the shower, wow. I gave my life to Christ. I found out later that doesn't count as baptism. That's kind of <laughs> suck, but. So, yeah. And then that, that just led me down a long path of being involved in ministry. Cause I, all of a sudden I was one of those guys that I really got changed and I really felt like, my gosh, this is the best news ever. And so I yeah. was very involved in campus ministry and just loved to talk to people about Christ, which just led down. A, you can see the pathway then that led to being involved in campus ministry. I was on staff of the Navigators for five years. That led to, I want to work with people longer term, which led then to, I want, I'm really eager to start something that would be focused on new people, which was church planting. So we started the church in 1996. And then in 2004, uh, we got introduced to Acts 29, which we felt was both a home for theology as well as mission. And uh, there we found a real home. And so we've been yeah. a part of, uh, we joined officially in 07 and yeah. have been very active ever since. Yeah, yeah, that's great, man. I, I always love to hear the stories of how guys end up partnering with Acts 29 and getting involved. And everyone's so unique. Um, and everyone's also got some similarities to it, too. Now, let's get to why we wanted to have you on the show today. In 25 years of pastoral experience is is a treasure, a treasure trove of information. And so let's let's dive in. So what are some of the biggest lessons you've learned personally as a pastor? And I'm sure there's elements, you know, of how God has refined you and drawn you closer to himself. Yeah, I'm glad you sent me some of these questions ahead of time because 25 years is a little... <laughs> Uh, the interesting thing, and I, I appreciate you having me on because I, I think a lot of us who've been doing this a while, I, th I think one of the big things we've learned is, you know, we're not as smart as we think, thought we were, you know, as smart mm -hmm. as I thought I was in my thirties, I now know that I'm not, even though I probably know more now, uh, I, I, I know a lot more now than I did then. But I, I think, uh, you know, I think the biggest thing for me was in a, in, my, in a spiritual way, and this has uh, impacted everything is. Uh, three years after becoming a follower of Jesus, I kind of went through a grace re reformation, um, understanding the grace of God and how deep it was. And it, uh, it, it radically changed my life. And it, it led me to four simple words that I've, my roommate and I were, we both were going through this at the same time and just were like, wow, God's grace is about, about everything from start to finish. The gospel's for Christians. 
Um, and it led us to these simple four words, which have dictated kind of my life and ministry, and it's, I'm okay in Jesus. And I, I know that sounds like overly simplistic. Um, and I've had some some guys who are critical of like gospel-centered churches, and they say, you guys, you guys say gospel-centered, gospel-centered. And I tell you to explain it to me, and it, it takes them half an hour. And I say, I can do it in four words, man. Right. I'm okay in Jesus. That means I, I don't I don't need to be successful in ministry. I don't I don't need to be a great dad. I don't I don't I get to I get to be involved. In that, that that simple thing has radically changed just everything. I think at church planning too. There's tons of pressure to be something or to try to show or to try to prove yourself. And just I know this sounds like Christianity 101, but man, that has been the most revolutionary thing yeah. for me. Uh, as you go on from there, I think the 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 thing we try to teach our leaders that I went through is, especially as a leader, if you're the point person, the church planter, pastor, you know, the, the, the leader of the whole thing, there's two really important things you need to know, and they are paradoxical. And the first one is you got to get it through your thick skull that this whole thing is not about you. Mm-hmm. It is just not about you. Um, it is about God. It is about His glory. He He loves this church way more than you ever will. But the second thing, and this is where the paradox comes, is as a leader, it's all about you. <laughs> and I know that sounds silly, and it's like, why did you just say them say opposites there? But yeah, every my weaknesses and my strengths are going to be the weaknesses and the strengths of the church. Mm. And I've got to be, I got to be humble on those things. Um, I've got to work those things through. So, and just, I think, I think young guys don't want to acknowledge that, um, you know what, that they can be wrong and you know what, it's okay. It's okay to say, I, 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 uh, it might not even be a sin per se, but it's just, I, I made a mistake. Um, one of the things that I've tried to do whenever I've gone through conflicts, and of course in 25 years I've had my share of those, is give myself one year after the conflict to kind of get the log out of my own eye and to think through what did I bring to the table? And I I make three columns and it's from an old Western movie called the good, the bad and the ugly. Yeah. And I write down the good. What are things that I brought to the table that were good things, but were not helpful (laughs) in this, you know, I'm talkative. I, people feel really good around me. Sometimes I don't listen well. What are some of the bad? I call the bad my mistakes. Where did I make mistakes? They weren't sin per se. Maybe, I don't know. But they were mistakes. And then the last column is, you know, sin. And so to, 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 to wrestle through those things and to say, that's okay. That's part of me as, yeah. you know, as a formation of my own self as a, a leader. I'd say a couple other things is I think I've been deeply surprised by how painful pastoring can be. Mm. Um and, and the deepest pain has not come from the culture, the non-Christians, the, you know, people not liking our church because of what we stand for. Right, right. That is nothing. You expect that, yeah. It's, it's the arrows that come that are in my back <laughs> are yep. the ones that are the most painful by far. People that, um, leaders and staff who, you know, it, it didn't work out for whatever reason and... Uh, a good friend of mine who's now retired, he said, he, he, he asked his wife once, what's the deepest pain that she's experienced in their church? And she had a great phrase, and I've never forgot this. She said, uh, the friends we used to have. 
And it's like, dude, if, if you go into this and think that you're going to be immune for it, because I did, I thought, oh, that happens to other guys. That right, won't happen right. to me. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Mm. Yeah. So. Yeah. You're, you are speaking the truth, my brother. There, there is no <laughs> doubt about that. Yeah. And I know, I know there's young guys we interact with and I myself, I'm like a middle age young guy. I'm still mm-hmm. a young guy. Um, <laughs> and being able to serve and, and talk to these guys, I'm like, listen, you got to prepare yourself from these really difficult things you think are never going to happen. Yeah. Um, and, and so kind of what you're saying at the end, it kind of connects to, to the next question I want to ask you. So what about lessons in terms of church leadership? Uh, what God has taught you about loving and, and leading his people in his church? Yeah, that's, this is a great question. Um, uh, in, in that I, I do think there's a, there's so many things you learn over the years. And one of the things that I think for a young leader, and we try to coach our young guys on this is there's a difference between, um, being a confident leader and being overly certain. And, and what, I, what, I, what I'm trying to say is you get behind closed doors and you banter these ideas around. And on a good day, on a good day, I'm 60% sure that that's the right hill. On a good day. Yeah. But when we leave that meeting and people say, well, what are we doing next? Well, we're taking that hill. Well, how sure are you that we're taking that hill? I'm 100% sure we're taking that hill. How sure are you that that's the right hill? I'm 60%. Right. And I think, I think young guys just get it in their mind that if I don't have 100% certainty on something, then and, or I need to portray that to the congregation. Um, listen, I did a, a, I don't know what the campaign was, $2 million. I did a $2 million campaign to buy the church building right next to our church building. And I presented it to the congregation as, this is the best of the bad ideas. Hmm. <laughs> get out your checkbooks, right? <laughs> uh, but it really was. It's like, how smart is that to have two church buildings right next to each other and you have to walk in, in Minnesota, you know, that's a, for, right. for uh, you know, whatever winter is, 11 months up here, uh, <laughs> you have to walk in between. But it was the best of the bad ideas. And I can't tell you, I did not get one person to say, why would I give money to a bad idea? It's like, no, they appreciate it as I walk them through. Like, if you got a better idea, we're all ears. Yeah. I think that's something young guys really stress, stress with because they think that I've got to be the smartest guy in the room. I've got to have uh, incredible certainty on these things. So that's, that's you know, that's humility of just saying no. But then also not the ah shucks, we don't know what we're doing. It's like, no, we think these things through, we work them through. And then we go for them at 100%. But we're wholehearted on these, yeah. on these, on these decisions. That's been one of the huge, uh, huge things. I think other major, you know, lessons that I've learned is know your weaknesses better than your strengths and get people around you who can fill those. Um, that has been, I, I had a, uh, a, f- a friend of mine who worked for me and she was, she was older than me. Uh, uh, she called me um, boss all the time and I just felt her name was Nancy. And I said, come on, Pastor Nancy, you're, you're just, you got all the wisdom in the room here. And, and she would say, she would say, boss, the number one thing you need to do is staff your weaknesses. And boss, I am your weaknesses. And she was, she, she was one of the best, uh, she just, she was a, you know, uh, she was typically what you'd call the old day, old school church secretary. Like she ran everything and she was just awesome. Mm. Uh, another one is, Early on, we learned that um, one of the best things we can do to trash the kingdom of darkness is to pour time and energy into making leaders. 
And I, I know that's, uh, you know, it's not, you know, it's not newsflash or anything, uh, but you, you, if you're going to make leaders, you, you've got to make some significant, significant changes in the way you're going to run your operation. I, uh, to me, I think if you're going to really be about leadership development, you have to stop bowing to the idol of excellence. Hmm. Because if you really want to give people a chance to, to flourish, there are going to be times where they're going to make mistakes, public mistakes. You know, you don't want to put them in a place where it's failure uh, is fatal to the organization. But at the same time, you know, we like to say um, our our goal is good enough or just above the cringe factor is what we're <laughs> we're aiming for here. And and that's not to say we're trying to be you know crappy in what we do, but at the same time, we want to have new uh, new people. And so, um, yeah, that's been a huge. Um, yeah huge thing for us yeah that's good what are what are some of the let's we can use the uh, ever trendy word rhythms yeah or the normal word practices or habits or things you have found to be you know really helpful in sustaining your personal spiritual and emotional health throughout these 25 years yeah, you're making a big assumption that I am actually in some way. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Emotionally yeah. healthy. Um, <laughs> you know, bro, this has been one of the hardest things because I think, um, like every young guy, I mean, I planted when I was 31, and um, I think you're out there and you're reading books and you're talking to people, and there's a bunch of good ideas. People give you great ideas. You know, this is what I do. And I, I think if there's anything I've learned over uh, 25 years, it's that, yeah, most of that stuff is works for them. Like like journaling, for instance. I can't tell you how many journals I have laying around the house here that have like eight entries in them, you know? Yeah. And it just, it was like 10 years of shame. Like, oh, I'm a, I suck as a Christian because I don't write things down. So I, I think for the, the advice that I would just give is you got to figure out your own rhythms and and I'm, I'm not gonna I don't want to sound too new agey here so let me be real careful here but listen to your body <laughs> you know that the book and I haven't read the book I've just uh, seen the cover the body keeps the score right and I have a uh, some some uh, psychologists here who have said yeah you pretty much got the book by the cover it's pretty technical and whatever but I mean there's there's a lot of truth to that like Listen to the rhythms of your body. Now, I'm not. I'm saying listen. I'm not saying necessarily always obey because I think the Apostle Paul has something to say about that. Right. But man, listen to what your what your, you know, listen to your fatigue. Listen to the stress level that you need to back off of. Listen to things that give you real joy. Uh, I found I found out <clears throat> I was told forever that I'm an extrovert. I don't know that that's 100% true. I, I found that the hobbies that I really enjoy, you, you listed them, you know, up there. I love uh, fly fishing, which I might go with someone, but when I get to the river, I say, you go that way, I'll go this way, I'll see you at lunch. You know, it's, uh, I love reading. Uh, I like uh, uh, brewing beer and I, maybe one other person. It, it, it These are big things yeah. that have, have impacted me. Some of my own personal spiritual um, things are, I do need to get away. And I, I, three times a year I get away and just as much as possible, just my Bible, you know, and just spend some time just talking to Jesus in the woods. And for me, it's gotta be in the woods, but that's me. Other people might, I take a walk down the, 
you know, in the in the busy city or whatever. So, yeah. Yeah, Sorry, that's good. That's not super helpful, but no, it's, I, I, it's been yeah. a journey for me to try to figure out these things. Yeah, I think it just resonates, you know, with what the Apostle Paul says in Philippians to work out your own salvation Amen. or slash sanctification, you know, progressive walk of the Christian life, work it out, work out your own with yeah. fear and trembling. So like yours and mine and everyone listening, they're different and there'll yeah. be some similarities. God's word is involved always talking to Jesus, prayer, worship, all, all that stuff. But the, uh, how we achieve these things is, is always going to be different. So yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's uh, like, what would you say would be your number one, like spiritually, just, this is what really blesses me. Like, and I, I know, I know it's brought you, you're going to say journaling, aren't you? You're going to say no, I'm a journaler no. and everybody should journal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My I, library I know, yeah. is just full of my own journals. That's all. <laughs> no. I, okay. Jonathan Edwards. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I've tried journaling just like, I mean, so many times, uh, one of my mentors, you know, he, he, big advocate of journaling and loves journaling has written on it and stuff. I, I just can't do it. I'll try it. And I'm just like, this is not, it's exhausting, uh, for, for me to do, to rehearse these things. Um, but you know, I did start a new practice. It's called the monk manual. I don't think a Christian guy developed it. Maybe he did, but it gives you like write out your daily calendar, uh, write out the big things you want to accomplish today and this week. And then it has some like little reflection things. What are you grateful for? Uh, where did you feel drained? Where did you feel at your best? And so I've, I've been trying that. I think that's been helpful, but I think my, my most like repeated spiritual practice is meditation on God's word. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think, and I agree with uh, Dr. Donald Whitney. He says, if he could change the spiritual life of every Christian, like to take like one discipline that to give them, he said it would be meditation on God's word. Yeah. Because, you know, obviously we read it and then thinking about it throughout the day, thinking about it at a red light rather than flipping through Twitter, you know, thinking about the implications of Galatians 2.20. Um, I, mm. I just find myself thinking about verses very, very often. It's just a habit I have in my life. Well, that's good. My old, my old navigator heart just, uh, cause that's what they, they say is the, the strongest, you know, these, yeah. the, the hand illustration where the thumb that holds up the Bible is yeah. meditation. And, oh yeah, no doubt. And, and, uh, you know, I think for me too, and I, you know, consistent, regular time in the word, I do small bits of scripture. Um, I developed a reading plan for our church. That's just three times a week, seven minutes. Like, you know, we can do this folks. But just to meditate on that stuff, absolutely, no yeah. question about it. Okay, okay, that reading good. plan is that available on y'all's website? Yeah, yeah. Okay. go to Hope, our church's Hope Community Church, so hopecc.com on the little, uh, you know, the three lines, the little hamburger, whatever you call it, pull yeah, down little the resources. Menu. Yeah. yeah, devotions, and you'll, you can get that plan. It's actually, uh, it's a, it's a, it's going to come out as a four year plan, and then it just repeats. So we'll read, you end up reading. Most of the the Bible in in a four year period, yeah, uh, cool. not every bit of it, but but most of it. So yeah, it's yeah. basically a psalm every day, one psalm, and then uh, or excuse me, every three times a week, one psalm, uh, one portion of scripture. So uh, uh, you know, like the the heading, like where ESV has a heading, it just mm-hmm. be one portion of a gospel, and then some other place like. Right now we're reading Joshua, so a chapter of Joshua. Yeah, nice. So very doable, very doable. So, Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I think we need more achievable, like the, you know, like the smart goals. 
Are you like specific, measurable? Is it achievable or attainable? Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, like in their spiritual disciplines that are yeah. specific, measurable. They're I, I can't I can't remember all that the R I, and the T and all the timely, right. uh, reachable, reasonable. I don't know. Uh, uh, I don't remember either. Smart goals. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I need to find my we'll, staff we'll are freaking because I can't right now remember them either. <laughs> but exactly. Yeah. And I, I, I just look and one of the things I tell our people is I say, you know, sometimes we've done the read the Bible in a year plan and I hold up the plan. and I say I've been a follower of Jesus for longer than most of you have been alive and I've never made it in a year. Mm. Never. But yeah. who cares? The goal isn't to read the whole the goal is to get to God's word, and I get more into it if I'm doing this, and it might take me a year and a quarter or something, or a year and a half. Yes. Who cares? That's not the goal. Um, and so, yeah, something like that, and and we like doing it because we do it in community. Then, so there's a whole bunch of people that are doing yeah. it together. It's well, that's so that's so good, and it's a great example of leadership to liberate people from a kind of secretive legalism that can lurk in our hearts that if we don't measure up to this very man-made goal, then we're obviously sub-Christian, which the Bible never commands us to read the whole Bible in one year. Right. Um, it does, right. you know, encourage regular intake and regular reading. But if you think about church history, we're in the minority. Most Christians in the history of Christianity did not have a full copy or their exactly. own copy. Right. You know, we, right. we are the super, super privileged people to have multiple copies Multiple Amen. translations. No I mean, it's amazing. Okay, well, l- let's keep going on. So there's other, yeah, dyna- sure. uh, other dynamics of ministry life that matter so much. And it is the what Calvin calls the company of pastors, um, having a camaraderie, a fellowship. And, and so how has being part of Acts 29 really nurtured fellowship with other local or maybe not local um, like-minded pastors in why is that so important to sustainability and health, Steve? Yeah, that's a, you know, it was a, it was a great question for you to ask because, you know, once you, you do something for a while, we've been part of Acts 29 of 15 years, and you just, it, you kind of forget like, wow, that, no, that has really had a significant impact. You know, good, bad, and ugly, right? Yeah, <laughs> Let's just yeah. be honest about our history here, some of it. Um, but that's family too, right? You could say that about any family, good, bad, and ugly. And I think Acts 29 has, you know, historically, we've got some, a fair fair number of mistakes. Uh, are they sins? Are they, well, we can debate that all, all, but I mean, some of the, some of the arrogance and the pride and mm-hmm. some of those things were, were there. At the same time, uh, for me, Acts 29 has been just this liberating, encouraging group of people because while we joined Acts 29, was we felt that this was an organization that took theology very seriously, um, but at the same time, uh, there was a lot of laughter. They didn't take themselves super seriously, and I know we've been criticized at, at certain times because we did, and, and I think maybe we have uh, gone over, you know, but theology seriously, mission very seriously. Yeah. We really do want to reach non-believers, and I, I don't, I, I don't want to put... I don't know how to say this nicely. You can put a seven-second delay on me, but but a lot of times people who take theology very seriously are are kind of jerks. I'm just yeah. going to say it like it is, and they're just not lovers of people. And um, that, but we found in X29 there was a, a both of those, and then also a camaraderie, a really feeling a feeling like we're really in this together. Um, and so I would say yes, yeah, so my. Some very, very good friends um, have come from Acts 29. 
And and I just I just think of how I met you last or first time we really had a chance to yeah. talk. You know, we sat down at Vale and sat down and grabbed an adult beverage and 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 sat outside and just just got a chance to hear your story. And I just I just love that. I love doing yeah. that within Acts twenty nine. So, yeah, yeah. There is so much. Um, I mean, you nailed it. So much camaraderie. So much. Um, appreciation so much of, you know, the way like C.S. Lewis talks about like how friendships develop that um, it's kind of both people going, oh, you too, uh, right. kind of at the same time. And I think that's so often among Acts 29 leaders that there's a lot of, oh, man, you too. Uh, you yeah. struggle with that. Yeah. Oh, you've gone through that. Like right. I know. It's, so one of the things I love and I tell guys this all the time about being a part because you know, I've been a part of Acts 29 for 12 years now, 10 as a lead pastor two as on, on staff now for Acts 29. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I, some of my best friends in the world are X 29 guys. Yeah. And I have never had a theological, um, or even like an intense, uncomfortable argument with anyone in X 29. It's yeah, yeah. We've had like a little banter, like, well, or make jokes about baptism or talk about uh, this one model of church or whatever. But at the end of the day, it's like we sit across and look at each other and go, I know this guy loves Jesus and cares about people meeting Jesus. And he knows that about me too. And we're in this together. I, I love that. That's, it is huge. I mean, I, you know, I, I think in a, a conversation I had with you, I don't remember where it was, maybe when we hung out uh, down in Dallas, but you, you mentioned that. And I have been thinking about that. I thought, yeah, that's very true. Yeah. There are things in Acts 20. We have diversity. We have different, different opinions about a lot of things. Right. But it's, there's a, such a sense of unity on theology, overall big picture theology mm-hmm. and mission. that I'm like, yeah, yeah, this is kind of home, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. And so like, we have this kind of just, I think great unity among us still, I think even over the last two years, um, since the pandemic began and since American cultural upheaval began. And so for all the younger pastors that are listening now, <laughs> how would you encourage them because I'm sure in 25 years, you've seen some stuff, too, that was some divisive times in the evangelical church in the United States. I'm sure you've seen some some politically tense environments, some culturally intense environments. So what, how would you encourage these younger guys who they feel like, you know, look, guys that started their planted, you know, right before COVID broke out? And yeah, we pl- we planted a, a, one of our locations uh, two weeks before the yeah. pandemic. Oh, yeah. So, how are you encouraging these guys? <laughs> well, I was born in 1964, and so um, I was four years old in 1968. And those who were alive, I so I don't recall. You know, I don't have any recollection. The times we're in right now, at least the fever of the culture is. That's probably the last time we went through what David Brooks is calling a. Um, cultural convulsion in other mm. words like things are radically shifting um and so uh, so i've not ever experienced anything like this so if they're feeling like wow this is crazy it's like yeah i've been doing this a long time and in my life for sure this is the most revolutionary change um, that we've ever had so, um, but I am, you know, if you, I don't, I don't remember which, uh, I'm not an Enneagram specialist, but one of them is, it, one of them is the kind of the more the opportunist or that kind of a thing. That is me. I'm, I'm kind of that guy. If I were a running back, I'm, I'd be comfortable giving me the ball and I get two or three yards every time. I'm fine with that. But every now and then, whoa, the linebacker got blocked this time and there's a wide open field and 
you can run like crazy. I, I, I think we are in one of the greatest, one of the greatest uh, opportunities ever. But, but here's here's the deal. No one's got this figured out. Yeah. I listen to a lot of guys, and they're like, "Yeah, here's the deal. Here's the deal." It's like, "Yeah, no, that's not the deal. No one yet completely has this figured out." And yet, I think it's one of the greatest opportunities for the gospel. And what that's going to look like, I don't know. Uh, are you familiar with the the old cartoon, The Far Side? Oh yeah, those are great. Yeah, uh, that was uh, you know kind of growing up. That was that was my jam. And my favorite Far Side of all time is this Far Side where there's two spiders, and they're on the bottom of a playground slide and they've made this huge web and the one spider turns to the other one and says, if we pull this off, we're eating like Kings. Mm. So, okay, that's morbid. I, I, I get it, <laughs> you know, but that's, that's an opportunist, right? Right. Right. I do think we're in a time right now where, where the systems, the structures, the models we were looking at flat out aren't going to work. In my opinion, the age of seeker sensitivity, and to some degree, a lot of us did that. Build it, then they will come. Right. I don't say that day is 100% over, but it's waning for sure. It's on its deathbed, for sure. It's on its deathbed, yes. And so, but that doesn't mean, I mean, since day one, Jesus said, you know, make disciples, right? So we're still going to do evangelism. We're still going to do discipleship. We're still going to do leadership development. We're still going to develop and coach those people, and we're still going to send them to do church planting and missions. And that That's the mm-hmm. plan. But a lot of us got real comfortable, like, well, here's how it works, and that's the way I can do it. And you know what? It actually worked pretty good. Yeah. Uh, we're asking our planters now to kind of re-exegete everything, re-exegete your culture, re-exegete yourself, um, uh, re-exegete how you think it can be put together, put it in a blender, and now that's your model for planting and so it's it's going to be a lot more work because you're going to have to figure this out there's not a lot of great models out there so planting is going to look different in my opinion now what's it going to be like i said no one knows i i certainly don't know know. yeah so yeah i'm with you and this is one of the big undertakings as director of assessment for x29 globally but especially in north america that i want us to begin thinking through as a network that the days of we got great music we got a captivating preacher, charismatic, you know, environment, whatever, charismatic leader. Th- those days are done. They are. Um, and for some, and in some ways you're like, good, because what we're building on is sand. Um, right. We, we need to be building on the solid rock of our, our Christ, our gospel, our doctrine, uh, the glory of God, all those things. So, but I think about the culture. I think about American culture right now and the kids that are 15, 16 years old right now getting their spiritual life from TikTok, being discipled by our culture. Um, what are the things, like I've thought about maybe six things that church planning in the future, the X29 church planners, we must be serious about. Yeah, And I, I think the first one has got to be hospitality. Yep. And, and not hospitality as in, our coffee's really good on Sunday mornings. No, no, but, no, 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 no. But the Open biblical hospitality, yeah, yeah yes. the biblical hospitality of kindness right. to the outsider, kindness to the stranger, to the alien, to those that are not a part of our community and that our homes and our, our community would be embassies um, Amen. to these people. And so yep. with that second one, missional engagement, like to actually engage in your culture, you figured out 
a way to get people evangelizing because I know, I mean, there are a lot of Acts 29 churches. There's a lot of evangelical churches that we have things called missional communities are, but really a lot of them, they're just Bible studies and right. we got to get them to be actually missional reaching people. Um, Bible literacy, I, I, I think Bible literacy is at an all time low Amen. and not, not just no among question. church goers and church members, but also yep. among church planters that we talk to. Um, we need to raise Bible literacy, gospel fluency and engagement of social cultural issues. And I mean, so like those things, I mean, one, two, three, four, five, six, like those are things that I want us to begin to assess and think about because of what you just said. Well, I, I couldn't agree more. And I, and, and you know, you and I've had several dialogues about this and this is one of the questions that I'm having is, is let's make sure we're assessing for, you know, the new warrior that we're looking for. And, and, yeah. and I'm, I, I think, uh, gosh, so they've got to be much more in tune with the, the bigger picture and less in tune with this is my model. I'm going to do it than ever before. I think before we could say, Hey, he's got a model. That's the way it's, he's going to do house church or he's going to do, you know, whatever. Um, <clears throat> and it's like, well, maybe, you know, um, I've had people come and be assessed and, and uh, go through assessment and they say, this is my model and this is where I want to do it. And they haven't talked to a single person in that community if they wanted that model. Right, right. And it's like, yeah, I get it. It sounds great, but do they, do, do these people, is this what they need? And that, that was before a thing we could coach and correct. Now I think it's like, if they don't have that, I'm not sure that they're going to make it. I mean, uh, this is going to be tough sledding. And part of the tough sledding too is every church that is not going to be in decline is very quickly going to have to be replanting their own efforts right now. Mm. I know we're talking about it. What does it mean for us to replant after, uh, you know, the pandemic here, which for us, we think we're on the Lord willing, we're on the other end of this thing now and starting in the fall, like this is our chance to like replant and to rethink. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a great question, but yeah, it's this, uh, this, this, this podcast is nowhere near long enough to, to, to wax about all this <laughs> yeah, stuff. Yeah. We're not going to solve this, but it, I, right. I think, I think it is just indicative of we're seeing a change in American culture, North American culture and global, just like global connectivity, um, awareness. I mean, you can live in the suburbs of Houston, Texas and live in a gated community and you can be discipled by somebody who lives in Portland well, that's by following their TikTok. You know, that's yeah, exactly. Yeah. Let me say one more thing that just came to my mind here. Um, one of the things that I am looking for in leaders right now that, that I wasn't as much before is that the, the ability to have nuance yeah. or the ability to just take a complicated, you know, let's just take critical race theory there. I said it now look at now there, the podcast, uh, we're just either going to go up or down here. Right. Uh, but for, for some, they would say critical race theory is bad because it's based on Marxism, which is atheistic in its nature. And it excludes the church as being one of the power things. And I get that. Right. But are you honestly telling me that there's no problem in race in America? I mean, is right. that is that what you're saying? <laughs> right. By saying that, it, and you're saying that power doesn't have anything to do with it. I mean, that's to me, that's just ridiculous. Forget the theory; it just look at all the statistics. And I'm a math guy, so the nuance idea, saying no, I don't buy something wholeheartedly, but also at the same time, you can't just dismiss something and then say, well, that's not a. It's like we mm-hmm. gotta, you gotta be very 
wise. You've got to slow down, read multiple people, on, and read people you don't even agree with. I'm, I'm reading uh, things right now by ex-evangelicals who are very angry. we got to read this stuff. No, I don't agree with it. I can see where the mistakes are made and where they're going, but it's I gotta read. I gotta I gotta be around it. Yeah. So anyway, just that's a that's a thing. I think people you need to do much more of than we've ever had to do before. Yeah. Yep. I think that I think that all connects back to posture. Yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff, tons of things that we disagree with, and go okay, but what are they trying to say? What are they right. highlighting that's out there that I need to not say? Well, that's not a big deal, and just and just listen. The, the guy that I think nailed it, if you ever get a chance to listen to John Piper's two, he did two uh, podcasts on this, uh, were phenomenal. So I think it's Ask Pastor John is the episodes, but his on critical race theory, I think better than any I've heard. But yeah, no, I haven't probably. listened to him. Okay, Steve, let's do the last question here. We can kind of turn towards some kind of encouragement things just personally. So obviously, you know, you've had guys in your life, um, you've had women in your life, I'm sure your wife, other spiritual mothers, um, that really yeah. you turn to for encouragement and, and for wisdom. Um, who, who have been some of those people in your life? Yeah, first I'd give a big shout out to the guy who's been my mentor for 24 years. And he was a guy who was the same age as my father, but we had met at a conference. His name's Rob Boyd. He's a, he, he, he's what I want to be when I grow up. He's now 80. Uh, seven, and he still ministers to quote unquote young guys. Wow. That's guys in their fifties now. <laughs> <laughs> but he used to just so he, I think he at one time was uh, mentoring um, thirty younger pastors. But by mentoring, and this is what I tell um, our young guys, I say, hey, find someone that you um, admire and ask them if you could take them out to lunch three, four times a year. Don't ask them to be your accountability partner. Right. Don't ask them to be your everything. Just say for three or four times a year, could I pick your brain? I, I don't know of a single guy they'll say no, especially if you're buying his lunch. So right. I'll a good lunch. Thing. Yeah. 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 Go buy him a good lunch. Right. And so I've met with Rob for 20, 24 of my 25 years of being a church planter. He's my go-to guy. You know, I think other pastoral friends have been key as 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 no one I think understands the pressures that we're going through, even in your own organization in some ways, when you're the you know, they say it's lonely at the top and it is. Yeah. It is. And so I think having other senior or lead pastor or whatever your role is, people like that that you click with having those opportunities to just decompress. And again, for me, uh like I've got a retired friend named Dave Johnson, um he was a pastor up here in the Minneapolis area. We get together two, three times a year and smoke a cigar or two, you know, and that's, but it's awesome just to hear from him. I would say our staff that have been there a long time and some are relatively new, but most of them have been there a long time. Cor Shemaleski, uh, John Neal, uh, Brian Silver, Drew Zulke, our, our pastoral team. Davis Johnson has just come on now recently. We have a couple phenomenal women on our team, Olivia Disselkamp and Addie Severson. I mean, we have more younger women by the name of Kaylin Larson. I mean, these are really important people to bounce ideas off of and, and be there. But And then just X-29 brothers, you know. I, I, I'm an older guy, and so I, I, I love to hang with the younger guys. But to get around the older guys, I think we get it. And uh, so, you know, John Ryan and 
Noel Hakenen and Kurt Hanna. I know Kurt's no longer part of X twenty nine, but uh, uh, for good reasons. Not not there was no uh, just too many too many things going on. Yeah. But that, those have been huge, uh, huge to, to me for sure. Yeah, that's so helpful, man. I so so many so many great uh, things have been shared on, on this episode, and so let's let's wrap it up. We're running running out of time here. I'm sure our yep. listeners are probably sitting in their car waiting for the episode to to finish. <laughs> in the um, yeah. Well, okay. Last last three questions. What's a, what's a great book you've read recently that you want to commend? Uh, probably the best book I've read. It wasn't recently, but I had to write it down. Team of Rivals by Doris Good uh, Doris, Doris Kearns Goodwood. Read that book. Team of Rivals. Okay. What's your go to order in a coffee shop? Which I have a hard time imagining you going into a coffee shop, number one. Um, no, I do coffee shops. Yeah. But I just get, you ready for this? Just black coffee. Coffee, yeah. Yeah, just coffee. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there it is. The, okay, maybe size. What size do you get? You get the big one? You just tell them, give me the 44 ounce? Uh, if it's a mug, no, because it just gets cold. So if they have free refills, which up here we have a caribou coffee, you get free refills. I just get the small and go get the keep it hot. I like my coffee warm. Okay, last question, and always the best question. Your favorite verse and the scriptures and why? I, I love the Bible. I'm an old navigator, memorized a lot of scripture, but I have to go to Romans 5.8. Uh, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Because mm-hmm. I think every one of us has those moments where we really don't believe that God loves us. And all I got to do is look at the cross like we'll do for Easter here and Good Friday, like we should yeah. all the time. That's a demonstration right there that yeah. he flat out is crazy, wildly in love with us. Yeah. Amen. Amen. While we were still sinners. Amen. Amen. Well, Steve, thank you so much for coming on the Excellent Podcast today. It's been great to have you, brother. I appreciate it, brother. Thanks so much. Today's show was edited and produced by Aaron Logan. Show prep was done by Amy Tyson and Christy Britton. And I am your host, Jeff Metters. And remember, brothers and sisters, let's keep planting churches to the ends of the earth.